hello and hi, whale well-wishers, sea urchins, and fans of fact-based reality and reality-based facts. Tucson Tuck for joining us today at Scana, a podcast about orcas, oceans, and the environment. I'm Mark Laren Young, author of The Killer Whale Who Changed the World. When I was visiting Norway last year, I asked a millennial what she thought about whales. She considered for a moment, then answered, Seared with lingonberry sauce. You can't overcook them. Uh, apparently whale meat is very tough if you overcook it. This was my first clue that Norwegians have a slightly different view of whales than we do in North America. My second clue? When I asked whale experts who I should try talking to in Norway who was actively opposed to whale hunting, I was told pretty much all the opposition was coming from outside Norway. I saw a whale for sale at a department store butcher shop. Cuts of minky looked like thick black steaks. Today, Norway is one of only three countries in the world that still has whaling. But a visit to the Norwegian Whaling Museum in Sandefjord to talk with director Doug Ingemar Bjørsson put their current whaling operations into perspective. Their self-imposed 2017 quota was 999 minkies, up 119 from 2016, making them the world's most active whaling nation. The Norwegians pretty much invented modern whaling, and they were the global whale hunting superpower. At one point, they harvested more than 10,000 whales a year. Bjørsson's an academic, and most of his research is on Norwegian whaling off the coast of Africa. Yeah, Africa. He's not a fan of eating whales, and his museum features information about Greenpeace and the Sea Shepherd. Their number one exhibit is a whaling ship that was sunk by the Sea Shepherd. This episode is brought to you by Eagle Wing Tours, It's Only Natural Clothing, David Bloom, Nicole Mattress, Alice Fisher, and Tony Wozk, producer of our new documentary about Granny, The Hundred-Year-Old Whale, which premiered in October at Planet in Focus in Toronto. And now we're off to Sandefjord to talk about the past, present, and future of whales and whaling in Norway with Doug Ingemar Bjørsson. This country will buy you a new car if you're having trouble using public transportation. And the country's health insurance will pay for a two-week tropical vacation to help you with your ailments through the long winters. Is this some distant, faraway planet? No, it's Norway. Uh, my name is Dag Ingemar Børsen, and I'm a it manager, acting manager of the museum, okay. of the Whaling Museum. I'm a, I used to work here earlier as a curator, so I'm educated as an historian. And I have been a manager here for just a few years, really. Can you tell me about what the museum does, what the philosophy of it is? Well, when the museum was built in 1917, it was uh, it was financed by a ship, local ship owner called Lars Christensen, who and his uh, I think his idea about the museum was to put up a monument for the industry and also uh, a museum that should be used for educating children, young people about whaling. That was uh, yeah one of his main ideas. This is a whaling community, right? 
It used to be, yeah. But it isn't anymore? Of course, there's lots of, I mean, relics, and there are still quite a few old whalers alive, but, uh, I mean, it's 50 years since the last whaling expedition came back from the Antarctic. So, I mean, it's still there, but uh, whaling is gone, yeah. And it just moved north? Yeah, but, uh, I mean, it's impossible to compare the, the Norwegian whaling industry as it was with the whaling today. How has it changed? Yeah, because it, uh, the, the, the whaling in the Antarctic for the large whales was a very, very large I mean, industry. It was a factory, it was a chemical industry where whale oil was the main produce used for, in, for lightning and in, in, for industrial purposes. Buy it, use it, break it, fix it, trash it, change it, melt, upgrade it, charge it, point it, zoom it, press it, snap it, work it, quick, erase it, write it, get it, paste it. Okay, it. grease for ball bearings, things like that. So, so, um, so that was a large. Uh, on the top, uh, around 1930, there was about 10,000 Norwegian whalers going to the Antarctica every year, and, and they, they hunted down, I mean, 10,000 of whales in each uh, catching season. And the whaling today is just nearly nothing. It's just a few fishermen catching mink whales and just a few hundred mink whales a year. A year. And what are they caught for? It's it's uh, it's used as I mean as food. The meat is sold mainly frozen for human consumption. But that was not uh, the case earlier when it was large uh, large industry. They didn't use the meat for. Uh, they didn't eat the meat. So when it was a bigger industry, nobody ate the meat? No, because everything was used for producing oil. Okay. The whole animal. I mean, all the blood were all the meat and all the bones were... were you, uh, they, they were in, into large, uh, what do you call it, cookeries. When did that switch? When, 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 it, when it all, I mean, when it all ended in, in the late 60s. Because it, it, it didn't stop. I mean, it was a... What you call it, a gradual. The activity started to go down from the mid 50s or late 1950s. So it was, became smaller. I mean, and in the end, there was just one factory ship, floating factory ship. What whales were hunted? It's mainly fin whales, all sorts of fin whales, blue whale, fin whale, say, and humpbacks. I know you know my thing is killer whales mostly, but were killer whales ever hunted? No, not for any sort of commercial use or anything. Uh, we have we have uh, at least one film from uh, an expedition in the early sixties where you can see that there is a, a dead uh, killer whale on the flensing deck on one of the large factory ships, but it was not common. Now in North America, fishermen used to shoot the killer whales because they ate so many of the fish. Did that ever happen here? And, and, uh, it's it's not my what should I say? I don't know that much about it because the 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 industrial whaling you never talk about killer whales really. But if you go on into the exhibitions and at the start of the the, the part of the exhibitions from the nineteen eighties, you will see some examples of uh, hunting of uh, um, of killer whales from the west coast, where they used to take it with a with a what do you call it. No, not a harpoon and not not a bow and arrow, but a smaller 
with the, with the, with the bow lying flat. What do you call it? With an arrow. Were they killing it to eat it, or were they killing it because it was eating herring? It was, it was for eating. And I think it's also for using the, the blood birch for, for lamps, right? Yeah. Where was that? What part of Norway? Yeah, we've got different parts. It's a different small base on the, on the western coast of Norway. You can see it on the names of different places that it's related to very, very local, small-scale whaling. And they often used a sort of net to close the end entrance to the small base and when they got the whales on the, in the bay. Yeah. And I just want you to remember, these people were Vikings. I remember years ago when I visited the little fishing village where my dad grew up, Stumness, and they still had the same kind of fishing that they had for, I guess, generations, centuries. And there were these little huts and they'd drop the rocks and the nets would fly up in the fjords and catch the fish. Is that what they did with the, with the orcas? I'm not sure, really. I guess that if you go to the Fisheries Museum on the West Coast, I can tell you a lot more about it. But, but the, for us down here in this part of Norway, the focus on whaling has always been on, on the I mean, commercial, industrial side of it. Okay. So, so killer whales is... I guess if you talk to old whalers, you can get quite a... They probably have some stories about killer whales, but it is often related to killer whales who were attacking dead whales who were caught by the whale catchers. They used to follow the whale catchers to attack or eat from the meat from the dead whales that were going to be processed in the factory, on the factory ships. That's what I wondered was... Did they shoot the whales that were harassing their catch and chasing after their nets? I'm not sure. I've never heard it really. Here's an easy killer whale question. What is the Norse word for them? Killer whale. Speckkogir. And what's that mean? It means blubber chopper or something like that, yeah. Oh, because they eat. Yeah, prob probably related to, yeah, I guess so. Maybe he only speaks whale. Doring. Doring, this is not whale. You're speaking like upset stomach. Is there any connection to Canada that you can think of with your exhibits or with any of the the whaling stories that you've come across? Uh, we don't have any interaction with Canada. We have some contacts with uh, researchers from all over the world, really. Because, uh, I mean, uh, what is we have very large historical archives from different whaling companies from all over the world, so and mostly from Norwegian activities. But some of it is also very interesting for, especially whaling historians from other places. So they used to go here, and I mean we go around a lot as well. Yeah. Any particular researchers from Canada you've worked with? But uh, I'm I'm. Uh, I've got a, a colleague who is a curator who is not here this week, but he has been to the States a few times, so he knows more people than I do. Can you tell me about some of the biggest exhibits here, the blue whales, some of the other major exhibits? Yeah, the, 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 the museum consists mainly of two different, exhi different exhibitions where there is one uh, sort of which focus on the natural history. Or, what you would like to call it, which is the old part of the museum where you can see a large blue whale full scale hanging from the roof, is it, or ceiling? 
Uh, and there are also lots of stuffed animals from the Arctic and Antarctic regions, penguins, penguins and things like that. Yeah. And then the other part of the museum is made in the 1980s and it's a sort of, yeah, it's, I guess, I mean that it is outdated now, but it is focusing on technology, development of different sort of whaling technology really. If you're looking for some of the most mind-blowing facts about these awesome marine mammals, whale, 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 you've come to the right place. You said lots of kids come through here. What are the biggest questions that kids have for you? Well, uh, different sorts of questions. If you look at, I mean, if you look at the visitors, uh, many visitors ask what whaling meant for this part of Norway for the region, for the local community and things like that. Because there were so many men every year who went down to the, I mean, thousands of men went down to the Antarctica on whale catchers and factory ships and stayed away for the winter. So I guess that was quite special for this region. And it's also what sort of, I mean, impact it had on econom economy and things like that, culturally maybe. And, and you also got you also get quite a few questions on if about the blue whale, especially the blue whale. If there still are, are blue whales in the oceans, how many, and things like that. There aren't many blue whales left, are there? No, not much. No, not many. Yeah. I, I guess that they operate. We used to say that when uh, when uh, whaling ended in 1968, there was about there were about 200 blue whales left on the southern hemisphere, south of the equator. Yeah. Do you remember the first time you saw a whale? No. Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was in South Africa. Seriously? You're a Norwegian and the first whale you saw was in South Africa? There's no, there's no whales down here. Can you tell me about seeing one in South Africa? Well, I, I, well the reason was that I was in South Africa because I was uh, collecting different sort of source material from some South African archives. Because I have been, my main interest for quite a few years has actually been whaling on the African coast. Also, Norwegians, Norwegian whaling activities in Africa, which was quite uh, extended from, from Mozambique and all around the, the African coast. I went down there to, I mean, to collect different sort of historical evidences and things like that. And then I saw a few humpbacks down close to Cape Town. Do you have any memories of what that was like? It was interesting. Have you seen whales in Norway now? Uh, no. When Norwegian whaling was at its height, how far did it go? Uh, especially up to the late 1920s, it was global. You had whaling, uh, they usually built, I mean, shore stations or whaling land stations with a factory that they put up on. Yeah, the, the Norwegian whaling activities were global. So you had they put up land stations in, in on the African coast in South America, you know, South Georgia in the Antarctic, I mean, South Shetlands in in Australia, New Zealand, all over really, and also in Newfoundland, yeah, Iceland, in Ireland, Scotland, Portugal, Spain, all over, yeah, in Alaska, wow. also also in Russia actually. So if you were in Alaska, you sure you were in British Columbia too? Yeah, uh, Port Armstrong or something, I think, yeah.
How much of Norway was whaling? It was, it's mainly just the small towns down here on the coastline. But about, as the, we're talking about, about 10,000 men in 1930. That's still a lot of people whaling. Yeah. How many of the factory ships existed? Do you know? About 50 maybe or so altogether, I'm not sure. But not in the same time. It, it's possible to get all these sorts of numbers, but I don't have them up here, you know. Okay. There, well, are li there are lists and everything, so that's no problem to find. But it was quite a large industry. Yeah. That's really amazing. In terms of eating whale meat, is that really popular? Uh, as far as no, I know, it was not common to eat whale meat in Norway at all. But during it's it's the in between war years in the twenties and the thirties, when there was a lack of, uh, I mean, everything, the state went in and promoted uh, coastal whaling, uh, and for getting, I mean, securing meat for the population. That was one of the main things that they built up a whaling industry along the Norwegian coast. My dad talked about eating whale growing up. I, I, we used to have whale meat not very often when I grew up, and I never liked it really. I don't know anyone today who eats whale meat. What does it taste like? It's, it's okay. It, it's, it's okay. It's not bad, but uh, why should we eat whale meat? There's so many other things to eat, so. I don't don't know really. Yeah. It you we I think it was used because it was a bit cheaper than other sorts of meat. If people aren't still eating it, is there a reason that it's still a big deal? Is it a big deal? No, it's not a big deal at all. No one cares at all. It's just a few fishermen up north. If if you ask Norwegians, they're not engaged in anything that you talk. If you ask them about whaling, it's only politics, isn't it? It's just to keep. I mean to. It's, uh, the Norwegians want to decide what to do with the resources in their own coastal waters. I think that's the main reason. People not profits! People not profits! We're finally here! Wow, I can't believe how big Occupy Wall Street's got. Uh, that's Occupy Wall Street. This is actually the line for the iPhone 4S. Are you serious? The Apple Store's like 30 blocks that way. I know, right? Still, I pre-ordered, so I should be okay. I asked a lot of whale experts if there was somebody I should talk to in Norway who was protesting whaling, and they said, no, no, all the people who are protesting are outside of Norway. Is that true? I guess so, yeah. It's not a subject. It used to be maybe earlier, but uh, when it was, uh, when, when the, the, there was, um, I don't know, I can't remember, was it in the early, early 90s when it was, Norwegian whaling was stopped for a few years. Then there was a, uh, you could read about it in the newspapers. It was a subject, but um, lately it has nearly nothing. I think it's a very dying activity. It's my understanding that minkies and humpbacks aren't endangered. I guess they say that it's several hundred thousands of minky whales, a very large population, and the number of whales they that are caught every every year are about is it about between 500 and 1,000 animals. So it's a very, very, very small part of uh, the total population. Is there anything you could tell me about how the factory ships were set up so they could go to a place like Africa or go to a place like Newfoundland? If you look at it on the long term, there is different, uh, I mean, uh, what you call periods. And, and in up to the 
up to the late 1920s, then most of the whaling is land-based. They built factories on land, on the shore. And uh, the technology for, for the floating factories were developed in the 20s. So when you come to the end of the 1920s, then it's just changing from land-based to shore, no, to, to pelagic whaling. And then you put, so you, you just take the factory and you put it on the ship, right? With the crew and the provisions and everything, and then go away for six months. And you store all the whale oil on board, mainly. And then you go back home again. <laughs> what else should I know about the museum? Yeah, you can, uh, if you're interested in skeletons, you can go down in the basement. You will see a very large fin whale skeleton, which, from a fin whale, which actually was caught just outside of the coast here during the First World War. No one has seen a fin whale out there since since that. You said you really wanted to update the museum. Can you talk a little bit about what you're hoping to do? Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean, the, you, I think we have to do, what you call it, adapt new perspectives of, on, on everything that we, if you look, to, look at the technology bit of the, the exhibitions, because we have to integrate, I mean, uh, resource resources in the sea uh, environmental questions and things like that I guess so probably we are going to focus a lot on the blue whale and the you say the story of the blue whale how it was nearly extinct at the end of modern whaling it was very close you know very close so it's a really horrible story and uh, and of course also because they knew 50 years earlier that they had to stop uh, whaling if it was going to, what do you call it, if, if, if it was going to be sustainable. Yeah. yeah, if they wanted it to be sustainable. So they were quite clear what they were doing, but they didn't stop it. So. Was there a reason? Was there one particular person? I, I, think it, I think probably it was the competition between the whaling companies and all the money that was in it. So it was very short term. They took what they could and then it, it, it ended and they used all the money and they, they invested in, in shipping and things like that started to go into all the sorts of business. Can you tell me a bit about the history of your blue whale, the blue whale you have downstairs? Oh, it's just a copy made by the local ship, the men from the local shipyard. So it's not a real skeleton? Uh, no, it's, it's made, yeah, made by wood. Did you actually know that the the... the famous ship that uh, Ernest Shackleton used during his voyage was built here in Sandfjord. I guess you heard about Ernest Shackleton. The Endurance was built here. You were saying Keiko was here. Can you tell me a bit about that? I don't know very much about him. I just remember all the writings in the, in the newspaper. There was a large debate on, on the film, was it? Free Willy? Or, and there used to be a journalist here who, there is written, as far as I know, one book in Norway about Keiko, which was, which was done maybe just a bit later. Do you have any memories of the reaction when Keiko was here? I don't know if anyone cared at all. I guess it, it, Norwegians are not very, I mean, it was just a, a whale. The, I don't think Norwegians has these sort of emotional connections with, with the whales at all. Newsflash, life is just death in slow motion. We, we do we do 
we, we used to have quite a few reactions from Americans uh, for especially people who worked in the, in the reception when Norway started whaling again after the, the ban or the stop in the, in the 90s. So they were really giving us in. What did they do? Ah, they, yeah, they wrote, <laughs> we have a book that you can write your name in, right? There was lots of you whale killers. And you see, we still got that. And there are some people, some visitors, they, they believe when they are leaving the museum that Norway is still doing this large scale whaling. So they get very embarrassed and angry. I know there's really only the three countries left, Norway, Iceland, and Japan, and the focus really seems to be on Japan now. I'm not sure what's the, what, what the difference is, but maybe whaling is more integrated in Japanese culture. I don't know. They use it as, they have a long tradition for using it as, uh, for human consumption, as, as meat, right? Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit different than Norway, I think. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! Historically, wouldn't Norwegian whaling go back too? Wouldn't that go back thousands of years as well? Probably, if you were tracing it, you would see it. You can see it on the very old uh, rock carvings up north, where there are killer whales on on uh, what do you call it on the, on the rocks. Yeah, large killer whales. So there's orca pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's from the Stone Age. Yeah. It's it's very near to Tysfjord, which is the the main fjord for the orca. The orca tourism or, or, or the whale washing when they're looking at killer whales. So there's sculptures of people harpooning? Or no, no, no. Just, just, just the animals. And uh, together with other uh, sorts of animals. The birds and the bears and things like that. Great. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks again for checking out Scanna, podcast of the year according to Time Magazine. The we passed because Serial needed the publicity. If you like the show, please tell your friends. I'm Mark Laren Young, and this is the Scanna Podcast. That's S-K-A-A-N-A. Spread the word, subscribe on iTunes, maybe even give us a nice review so iTunes decides we're new and noteworthy. Also, subscribe to our newsletter at Scanna.org. We'll send you updates on upcoming episodes and news about orcas and oceans. If the show doesn't work for you, I'm Jesse Brown, and this was Canada Land. And if you want to find out how the world fell in love with whales, check out my book, The Killer Whale Who Changed the World, now available in paperback, ebook, and a new audio edition at audible.com, recorded by me. Your first month of membership is free, so if you're not a subscriber, please test drive my book as your freebie. And if you're game to help support us on Patreon.com or know someone who might be game to sponsor us, that'd be awesome. Our amazing volunteers include Jess Edwards, Isabel Griffin, Chantel Heward, Ben Wegg, and M.S. Lake. If you'd like to volunteer to help make this happen, contact us at Scanna.org. Scanna is produced by the always awesome Rain Banu. We wanted to end off with a tune from one of our Scanna sponsors, Trevor Strong, one of the legendary arrogant worms. And this is their classic, The Last Saskatchewan Pirate. Arrgh!
Well, Johnny, you know, that's a very good question. Sometimes we put out the odd fire, but most of the time we just spend our time rescuing cats. Any more questions? Thank you. Okay, that was Timmy's daddy. Now let's find out what Mabel's daddy does for a living, okay? Well, I used to be a farmer and I made a living fine. I had a little stretch of land along the CP line. But times went by and though I tried, the money wasn't there. And the bankers came and took my land and told me fair is fair. I looked for every kind of job, the answer always no. Hire you now, they'd always laugh, we just let 20 go. The government, they promised me a measly little sum. But I've got too much pride to end up just another bum. Then I thought, who gives a damn if all the jobs are gone? I'm gonna be a pirate on the river Saskatchewan. And it's a heave, ho, high, ho, coming down the plains, stealing away to party and all the early frames. And it's a ho, hey, high, hey, farmers by your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores. The local farmers would know that I'm at large But just the other day I found an unprotected barge I snuck up right behind them and they were none the wiser I rammed the ship and sank it and I stole the fertilizer Bridge outside and those jaws spans a mighty river Farmers rust in so much fear their stomachs are a quiver Cause they know the captain tractor's hiding in the bay I'll jump the bridge and knock them cold and sail up with the hay And it's a heave, ho, high, ho, coming down the plains Wheat and barley and all the other grains And it's a ho, hey, hi, hey your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores Bobby chased me, he was always at my throat He bought on the shoreline cause he didn't own a boat But the cutbacks were coming and the mouth he lost his job So now he's sailing with me and we call him Salty Bob A swinging sword and skull and bones in pleasant company I'd never pay my income tax and screw the GST Sailing down to Saskatoon, the terror of the sea If you wanna reach the co-op, boy, you gotta get by me Ha-ha! It's a heave, oh, hi, oh, coming down the plains Stealing wheat and barley and all the other grains And it's a ho, hey, hi, hey Farmers by your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores Life's appealing, but you don't just find it here I hear in North Alberta there's a band of buccaneers They roam the Athabasca from Smith to Port McKay And you're gonna lose your sense and if you have to pass away Well, winter is a-coming and a chill is in the breeze My pirate days are over once the river starts to freeze But I'll be back in springtime and now I have to go I hear there's lots of plundering down in New Mexico And it's a heap oh, high oh, coming down the plains Stealing weeds and barley and all the other grains And it's a ho, hey, hi, hey Farmers by your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores And it's a heave, ho, hi, ho Coming down the plains Stealing weeds and barley and all the other grains And it's a ho, hey, hi, hey 
Farmers bar your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores. And it's a heave, ho, hi, ho, coming down the plains, stealing weeds and barley and all the other grains. And it's a ho, hey, hi, hey, farmers bar your doors when you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores. When you see the Jolly Roger on Regina's mighty shores. When you see the Jolly Roger on.